Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. In your seatbelts, get ready for a ride on the crazy train into Wisconsin's great outdoors. We appreciate you being here with us this morning. And by us, I mean he's Dan Bush and I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam is back on the boards. And I want to remind everybody that tonight you got to turn your clocks back an hour. Don't forget. Anyway, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We are live. We are unrehearsed. Sometimes you never know what's going to happen on this show. But we will try to bring you up to date on most of the fishing and hunting stuff that's going on in our state. Anyway, good morning, Dan. Oh, good morning, Sam. Morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping you guys can hear me. You know, yes. Sam, I, I connect with you on the app, but then if somebody calls me, <laughs> it knocks me right off the app, and I got to go back to it. And somebody named, his name will be nameless, called me two minutes ago so i yeah. just got back on the app geez at 5 30 in the morning at like six so o'clock you're back yeah. on the app now i'm back on the, well i am you're hearing me right yeah good and then i'm on the app yeah. and uh and if people want to get in touch with us they can call us at 414-799-1250 or they can email us live at ceo guys at yahoo.com and um we do have uh, an email from uh mark a regular listener about perch okay uh, now i've already emailed him back but i think the audience might find this interesting he said just wondering if you fished oconomowoc lake perch this fall have never tried it but since i heard you talk about it he wanted to try it so he said i forwarded the dnr oh that was something else anyway looking forward to this week's show appreciate you guys get up every early and blah 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 and all that good stuff so anyway thank you mark um we were a little late in the telling everybody that the sturgeon license, uh, sturgeon spearing license, uh, you had to have it by October 31st. So we're a little late on that. Sorry about that. I think today's the last day, I think, isn't it? Yeah, today's. Yeah, today's. The so if they, so, so 
Yeah, so we're not late. It's well, yeah, today. We're just, we're, we're just real It's close. a last-minute notice. Yeah. But this year, uh, my son and I did not get on Oconomowoc Lake for the perch. And, it, and it's funny, in the fall, we always find them in shallow water, you know, like two to, you know, five, six feet, you know, and, and it's really weird, you know, if we don't find them there, except for the real little ones, you know, we don't find them there in the summertime, but in the fall, it's those bigger ones come in shallow, that's very, very weird, but, but we did find them on Nagawica, and I didn't realize that Nagawica had such a great perch population, and that they're so big, you know, so uh, Oconomowoc, Nagawica, there's two places that have dandy perch in them, you know, you just gotta, you know, gotta find them. Well, let me ask you, Tom. I've never heard that before. Perch moving shallow in the late fall. Do you think that's just on that lake, or is that something you think that they do well, everywhere? Well, I'll tell you. When, uh, well, on Nagu, I mean, on Oconomowoc, well, we used to do that every fall. You know, fish for them. I mean, fish for other fish, but then also go for the perch. But uh, this year in the fall, we were on Nagawica, and uh, I wanted to go to this one bluegill spot, which is shallow water. And uh, it turned out there were no bluegills there, but darn, we caught some big big perch and, you know, nice ones, yeah. So maybe it does happen on every lake. I don't know. I've caught them uh, in the shallow weeds on tip-ups in Pewaukee over oh, yeah. the years, you know, in the middle of winter. Uh, sure. Never anything real big, though. In fact, if you were sitting in a shanty, sometimes you could look down and see them cruising, you know, cruising underneath the hole. So, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd never realized. Now, I've talked to a, uh, well, I talked to a guy years ago who uh, had access to Oconomowoc Lake. And in the fall, he would, uh, he would go out there and he was always talking about the big perch he caught. But he was getting them in deeper water. But that was earlier during the fall. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I suppose it depends on the water temperature, you know. So now is uh, open water fishing all done for Tom Newbauer, or what's the story? Yeah, well, I I thought it was going to be, but then we saw what the weather's going to be next week. It's supposed to be in the 60s. So You're kidding. So it might not be. I don't, I'm not sure. So the weather's going to be warm next week. Yeah, yeah, I saw it last night. I... I saw the out the extended outlook, uh, the extended forecast, and it was showing in the 60s in the middle of the week next week. So, well, I'll t- I'll tell you, fishing reports. I haven't heard a whole lot um, in checking. Uh, you know, reports on Lake Michigan, Bay of Green Bay. From what I'm reading, is uh, fishing is kind of winding down on the on the big bodies of water there. Uh, the salmon fishing, of course, you know, the salmon come into the rivers and so forth and people target them then. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of dying down. Um, I did hear a few people getting some small perch up in the Bay of Green Bay. Not a whole lot of, of, of uh, smallmouth action up, up in Door County there. You know, there's some fish surveys in some, some of those areas and guys are getting out and rough, you know, braving the weather and they're getting a couple smallmouth, but not like you'd expect up there. Uh, haven't heard any musky reports from the Bay of Green Bay. Maybe we should, uh, during the show, maybe we can call Tilkey up there at Smokey's on the Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think what happens is when that water temperature starts getting in that upper 40s, you know, mid 40s, you know, I think things, it, it gets a little tougher at times. But then 
now with this warm up, you know, you got to think that if the if the water temperature goes up a few degrees, you know, it might you know kick in some of those fish to to decide to you know eat a little bit more, chase a few more things, you know. So, well, well, we'll the, see what happens. The we'll fish, the fishing, Tom, that I know is good right now. Uh, I talked to Paul Mahalik uh, the other day. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, you ever you, have you ever went to call one person and you got another phone number in front of you or whatever, and you call the wrong number and the oh, different yeah. person answer, and you feel like a total idiot. Oh yeah, plenty of yeah. times. Yeah. So I was, I was trying. <laughs> I got a phone. I got a uh, uh, text uh, or voicemail on my phone asking about going fishing, guiding out here in November for muskie, and so I, I wrote down Paul Mahalik's number on a sheet of paper because I had it in my contacts. And I went to uh, leave a voicemail for this guy, but instead of giving him Paul's number, but instead of calling the guy, I called Paul. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, Paul answers, and it always kind of catches you by surprise. All of a sudden, you're and you're like, ah, oh, 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 gee, Paul, I meant to call this other guy that I was going to give your number to, but um, so you because know, if you want to catch a muskie, you know what they say, Tom, better call Paul. Yeah, um, he's a. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. He had to put that. I don't think he even has a website. But anyway, I appreciate the people contacting me uh, and wanting to get out there musky fishing. But as I've mentioned before, due to the uh, circumstances here in the parking lot where I keep my boat, I, I just put the boat away early because they were doing work. I couldn't keep it out here. Yeah. But uh, next next fall, I should be back rolling. But in oh. the meantime, I, I've been uh, having people call Paul because he's out there just about every day. Pretty good schedule. He told me, being as I accidentally rang him up, he said, uh, hey, if you got some days in between hunting and you want to come on out fishing, uh, you can come on out with me. Uh, he said it's been pretty good. He said it's not all the time. You know, there's the windows. But uh, he goes, the other day, a 46, the day after that, a 46, the day after that, a 47. He's getting mid to high 40-inch muskies out there on that sucker bite. And yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll sit all day, 12 hours for one 46-inch muskie, and they're all big, thick fish. So, And I'm sure it's not just Paul. I, I mentioned how I was out a couple of weeks ago with Dan Durbin, and uh, there were a lot of a lot of meatheads out there soaking meat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure lots of guys, uh, so this is the time those big, the muskies in the fall, from what I understand, um, the reason you, it's such a good sucker bite is you got the females, especially they kind of want to put on the, uh, the mass because they are going to be, you know, having a lot of eggs inside of them, getting ready for the spawn next spring. So they're kind of beefing up for that. And I don't think they really feed super actively during the winter. So this is kind of like their pack on the poundage time and, and they like a big hunk of meat. This is when they're eating big. Go yeah. big or go home. So that's when why that big juicy sucker can really tempt them. Yeah, I've heard the same thing, and not just on Pewaukee, but Oconomowoc and Okachi too. You know, so you know the opportunities are there. That's for sure. Um, you know, one of my favorite little lakes, though, to go to in the fall, and I and I extremely recommend catch and release here. Extremely uh, is. Uh, What's that little Fowler? lake up by Oconomowoc? Fowler. Fowler, yeah. 
Fowler is uh, is a nice little lake to go to, maybe about 50 or 60 fishable acres. And the thing is, is that there are some nice muskie in there. doesn't take long to search for them. I mean, it only takes you less than three hours to go around that lake two, three times. And, uh, uh, you know, if you get a, if they're biting, they're biting. If they're not, you go home and watch the Packers. So, um it, it, but it's one of those places where, like, especially if it's really windy out, you can get out of the wind because it's small. You know, it's a smaller lake protected by all the trees and that. So that that's kind of nice. Uh, I wanted to remind everybody, you mentioned something about putting your boat away. Uh, out at Dave's Turpin Marine, they're doing winterizing now, and they have boat storage. So if, you know, somebody's looking for a place to store their boat for the winter, have it winterized in that Dave's Turpin Marine, one mile east of Watertown. Uh, just go to davesturf.org and, uh, you know, you can find out how how much they charge and whatever. So I just thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, this 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 is the time to do it. Now, most guys who, uh, who are serious fishermen, uh, a lot of them even do it themselves. I, I winterized my boat once myself and very proud of the fact that I did it, but that was the first and last time. I just prefer to have somebody uh, do it. I did do something this year, Tom, that I haven't done in the past. I've heard a lot about it, but I put a little bit of sea foam into yeah. the, into my, into the, the gas. In, uh, you know, I, I don't have a separate gas tank, of course, on my boat. It's just like a car. It's got a built-in right. 24 gallon tank. But I, I figured, I kind of figured I had about a quarter tank and I bought some of that sea foam and I read that you put like, I think it's one ounce per gallon. And then it kind of says that you really, according to the directions, and again, don't take my word for it, check it out yourself. But it said, you know, if you put extra in there, it's no big deal. And apparently that's supposed to help. So I put a little bit in there. And then when I pull it out this spring, I'm going to right away fill it up with fresh gas to mix with that old gas. And I think that should help as far as, you know, firing, firing it up right away in the spring. Yeah, I've heard, I've read a lot about that sea foam too, 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 and and I'll tell you what, if Al Linder recommends it, recommends it, it must be good, right? Well, you know, his nickname is Honest Al. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Honest Al says so. Well, listen, why don't, why don't we take uh, our first break of the morning, and uh, don't forget, turn your clocks back tonight. I'm going to keep reminding people because. You know, there's people that always forget. You know, Tom. What? Let me tell. I'll tell you what. When we come back from break, Tom, yeah. I'm going to tell you why your 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 uh, words of wisdom are are needless at this point. Okay, good. Well, most of my words of wisdom are needless, but okay, we'll we'll find out that and more here on 12:50 a.m. The Fan, the Skipper Buds, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Skibber Buds, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, uh, speaking of elected, make sure everybody gets out there and uh, does your part to exercise your rights and votes this week. Uh, Tom, did you vote already? No, I'm going on Tuesday. You're going on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. 
That means you're going to stand in line, dude. Yeah, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to be get there before the polls open. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> my brother Tim has the same plan up there in Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. He says I'll get there early, and uh, but I think everybody's going to get there early, Tom, because everybody I talk to says they're going to get there early, which means it's going to be crowded. It sounds like. I guess I'll just have to get there even earlier. Uh, so yeah. what? What? Uh, something you were saying something about turning your clocks back. You don't have to. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, you're. You know. Being as this is the age of technology, which you and I complain a lot about, uh, one good thing for people other than maybe like guys like you and me is you don't have to remember to turn your clock back because your smartphone, your vehicle, your computer, everything turns itself back for you nowadays, Tom. Well, but you, it does, your home phones don't turn back. I mean, your uh, home clocks. Home like clocks? Your microwave and the clocks in the house. Well, I suppose if you go if you go by the microwave, you know, I guess. Well, so. you know, you got a bedroom clock, you know, with an alarm. Most people do, and maybe a clock in the living room. And I got one down here, a couple in the basement, you know. So, I I think I mean, most people most people Tom walk around with their smartphone super glued to their forehead. So yeah. yeah matter of fact, me. interesting observation. <laughs> do a poll sometime. Yeah. Sit at, yeah, don't do it when you're driving, probably, because we at the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors always stress safety. But yeah. uh, sit at a four-way stop sign or when you casually pass somebody on a highway and notice if it's a female and note how many of them are talking on the phone as they're going down the road. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that. it's probably 90%, dude. I, every I was driving back yesterday on the highway, and I glance over. You know, and uh, I, I see the voice moving, but m- mouth moving, but nobody else in the vehicle. Um, they're all talking on the phone. Or yeah, they could well, be singing to themselves. You never know. It could be a great song that they know. Yeah. Sam, true. you don't sing to yourself, do you? <laughs> I don't know, man. It depends on what song comes on in the, in the, in the car when the stereo's on. Yeah, I, well, sing I suppose. to myself, too. Yeah. Do we, you sing to yourself. Not to yeah, myself, okay. but to oh, well, I mean, if you're a, who are you singing to? If you're if you're by yourself, you're singing to yourself. Yeah, exactly. no, sometimes I got the windows down. You never know. Sometimes it's just oh, you got okay. You're yeah. singing to the passerby. Yeah, I guess you're. I guess you're right. Hey, you ever pass somebody in a car and they're obviously just rocking out to something? Uh, it could be, you know, if it's some 18 year old kid, he's rocking out to some. To some, uh, I don't know, whatever, some rap, you know, you can just see, and then all of a sudden you feel the vibration, boom, 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 from their, from their speakers, and you see these guys just rap, you know, going crazy in their car, car dancing, I guess. Yeah, I guess that is. We got a, we got an uh, email here, Danny. This is from uh, our listener, uh, Mark, again. Shows Mark in an ice shanty with a spear hanging over, you know, in the water. He's got his radio going, you know, he's in a, you know, he's not even dressed real warm, you know, he must have a nice heater in there, and uh, reminding us that uh, today's the last day, the licenses for uh, sturgeon spearing, if you want to get one, today's the last day, the licenses are $20 for residents and $65 for non-residents, and we'll see how long that goes for. Sometimes they close that down early, you know, if they get get their quota, so we'll see. Yeah. The, the, that sturgeon spearing, uh, that is an interesting sport. And yeah. it's, it's got almost a, uh, 
a cult-like yeah. following yeah. up there in the in the uh, up the Fond du Lac area, I guess, Oshkosh area, up by Lake Winnebago. And uh, if any of our listeners uh, want to take a road trip this winter, uh, drive on up there. And there's several bars that they actually register the sturgeon at, and they'd weigh them, and then yeah. then you. It, it, I'm trying to think of the name, and off the top, the big one it, is is Wentz. Wentz, that's it. That's it. Yeah, Wentz. That's big one. And oh my gosh, I was in there years ago, and I mean, there's sturgeon laying on a pool table in the bar, <laughs> uh, and and people, you know, drinking and partying, having fun. Families. It's kind of a family affair. It's. I would say for many people, there's two big days in in well maybe three big days. Uh, the opener of fishing. The opening of Deer Gun and the opening of that sturgeon spearing, you know, they, they look at that as that's a big deal up there. So even if you don't, yeah. you know, spear yourself, drive on up there. You really got to see it to appreciate it. And what I would suggest, if you want to get into the sturgeon spearing, the uh, the upriver, the, you know, upriver lakes, um, I guess that's Poygan and some of those other ones as opposed to Winnebago. The success rate there is way better. I want to say 50% or better, but you got to put in for tags, and uh, you know, got to to get the permit, kind of like the bear drawing, and it probably takes about about as long as getting a bear tag, which is seven eight years. But if you if you're gonna do it, if you if you're patient enough and remember to put in, once you get that tag, then your odds of success on spearing a sturgeon is much better. Like. My brother got one a couple of years ago, and so he was pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's a it's a sport that's not for everybody, that's for sure. Um, I did a few TV shows up there, you know, about sturgeon spearing, and sat there with people for a while. And I'll tell you that uh, I got to be honest, it's quite a boring sport, you know, and and quite mesmerizing staring into that water. <laughs> and you know, I mean. And you can sit there for hours upon hours upon hours. And you could sit there for the whole sturgeon spearing season and never see a darn thing, you know. Um, it, it's different. you got to, I guess yeah, you have to have a passion for it, you I, know. I guess the, the funniest description I've heard, it's it's kind of like staring up a, sh- a chimney waiting for a duck to fly over, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, because when you think how, how large, let's say, Winnebago is, and you're hoping that one of these fish swims under your, you know, little hole. I mean, oh man, I'm telling you, yeah, hey, it's, spe- it's different. Speaking of uh, putting in for tags now, it's coming up soon enough. Uh, December 10th, I believe, is the uh, deadline for the uh, putting in for the bear permits. Uh, so again, that might take you eight years or whatever, depending on the zone. And uh, each year you can put in, you get a preference point. Only costs like I think three bucks or whatever. And uh, then eventually, once you get enough points, you can put in saying that you'd like to apply for an actual, you know, tag if you can. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, they've had a very good bear season this year, Tom. I don't know if you heard, but I've got the latest statistics here from the Wisconsin DNR. There's four zones, I guess, A, B, C, and D. And zone A looks like a 64% success rate. Zone B, 69%. Zone C, 16%. Zone D, 63%. What did you say zone C was, 16%? 16%. Now, I I would have to look at a map. 
but I'm thinking that that's probably more the southerly, you know, zone. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, those those other zones, I think zone A is where I'm at up there in uh, my, by my, you know, beautiful uh, estate there up in Douglas County where there's lots of black bars up there. Um, so I think the northern part of the state, that's pretty much really high success rate up there. The... Uh, the population's looking strong, so hopefully that uh, means the DNR will be giving more permits away, <clears throat> giving more hunters a chance to uh, to harvest a bear. Yeah, that that sounds good. So uh, sounds yeah, like and, and, the person's got a good chance of getting one, you know. Yeah, if, if you got to do your homework. Now there's a lot of outfitters up there. Um, in fact, um, our friend Tro- Troy Woodrow was up there. Uh, uh, fishing with uh, with the guys up there, and uh, I think that with Jake, I believe, of Northwoods Outfitters or something like that. And Jake uh, also, you know, they help set up people for bear, and uh, they've got, you know, I got pictures of bear they harvested. So if you get on with a good outfitter from, who lives up there, they can get the bait out. They actually suggest baiting for bear, Tom, is well in the spring if you can. Now I think in Wisconsin you got to check the regs. There is a date that you have to. That, that you can't go before that time. The reason they suggest getting the bait going in the spring, spring is when the male, the, the boars are out looking to find females to breed. They cover a lot of ground, and if they stumble upon your picnic basket, then they won't soon forget it, and they may come back to that picnic basket in the fall. So that's if, so if you want to have the chances of a big old, big old bear uh, covering a lot of ground and stumbling upon your bait. That's what they suggest. Now, when we hunted up there, we'd go about the last week of July and get the bait out there and then uh, refresh it once a week. And we had no problem getting getting bear, although we never got a giant. One thing to keep in mind, though, if you, like, have somebody baiting for you, like, you know, we went up, set up our stand, and have someone do it for you, um, they also have to have a bear license now it's not a license to kill but they have to pay it's not a lot they actually have to have a license i believe to be able to take the stuff out and bait your stand so make sure you're up on the regs but shooting a bear is pretty cool i would suggest uh doing that as something kind of like the sturgeon spearing thing tom i think you got to experience it to really appreciate it maybe a once in a lifetime thing for a lot of people but sitting in the woods and and then all of a sudden seeing that dark jet black going through the thick green foliage and you don't hear it's they're soundless like a black panther it's really something you got to see it'll get your heart going i'm sure it would definitely and i'll tell you what gets my heart going danny is the gut report coming up next uh, we got a, we got a, uh, well, it's interesting. Yeah, I think you'll like it. We'll be right back with more folks. Stay tuned. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards. Uh, we'll see you in just a few minutes. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this week I made an apple pie. Every now and then I like to make, you know, some type of dessert, and I wanted to make an apple pie. But, you know, the question came up amongst some family members, what's the best apple to use for baking? Well, I looked it up, and it's recommended to use Pink Ladies, Granny Smith's, which are a little tartar, Brayburn, uh, Honeycrisp and Fuji are a little firmer, take 
you know, if you're going to bake something that takes a little longer, they're a good one to use. And galas are a little sweeter. So, you know, there's a list of some that you can use. I actually myself like the Honeycrisp uh, to use. I, I just happen to like those apples. But you know what? The good old basic uh, uh, Macintosh apple, that's a good one, too, I think. But they're a little softer, okay? So, you know, depending on what, what you're making should uh, actually depend upon what kind of apple or what kind of apple you should use. So just think about that sometimes when you're making that apple pie, apple turnover, apple fritter, whatever. The, uh, the Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. It's been in its 60th year in business this year. No other liquor store has been local and originally family-owned for that many years. There's a reason they've been in business that long. Price, service, and selection. If you're looking for weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. Hey, we want to thank our listeners. Uh, friends and foes alike, relatives, distant relatives, uh, children we have that we don't even know about that are listening. Um, all of you out there, especially uh, first responders, police officers, um, military, healthcare workers, thank you for what you do. And uh, Tom, I got a news story here. Did you hear about the horse and the arrow? No, I have not. Maybe, uh, will you please tell me? Horse and arrow. That's got kind of a ring, Tom. Well, here it is. Uh, <clears throat> DNR investigating injury to horse on Southern Kettle Moraine State Forest Trail. Uh, so basically, the DNR, in collaboration with the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, seeks the public's help with information relating to an injury of a horse with a rider along a trail in the southern unit of the Kettle Moraine State Forest during the afternoon of Wednesday, October 28th. During the ride, the rider discovered the horse had an arrow lodged in one of its legs just above the hoof. The rider was not injured. The, uh, this occurred south of Palmyra in Jefferson County on state forest land near, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Tom, Vele, V-I-E-L-E Lane, the department staff received a call at about 3.15 p.m. Wardens and sheriff people, police, Palmyra police responded. Uh, so anybody with a tip to this can call 1-800-TIP-WDNR. Or call me and I'll call my our warden friend. <laughs> we'll call our warden friends for you. Yeah. Uh, but no, actually call the 800 number because you may not get a hold of me or Tom. We're kind of old, crusty old guys who don't return calls for three, four days. So, um, so yeah, but kind of interesting, Tom. That um, is, uh, that is a weird story. I mean, that, you know, that goes to one of the tenets of uh, when you're shooting, whether it be a gun or a bow, know what's behind your target in case you miss. You know, well, if somebody was. I'm, I'm sure they didn't think the horse, or the rider, was a deer. I, uh, I've gone and done some hunting uh, on some of these. We've got some great uh, public hunting lands. Uh, I would suggest. Um, downloading the DNR uh, app. Um, I'm trying to trying to remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I can't um, hunt wild maybe or something, but it's it actually just on your smartphone. You can see, find all the spots, you know, be 
public hunting grounds and and we've got a lot of great public hunting grounds around here but a lot of them do allow uh you know not only for hunters but people for just hiking and trail walking with horses and so forth and i was actually hunting a couple weeks ago and i was thinking about this now i had a shotgun and i thought boy you know you got to be kind of aware of where you're at and be listening to your surroundings because what if someone with a horse comes through and and uh, you know you you don't want to be spreading birdshot on anybody uh, and same you know with with a bow hunter now in most cases if you're up in a tree and you're shooting at a deer on the ground the your background you know they always say be sure sure of your target and your backstop. Well, your backstop is pretty much assured if you're shooting yeah. from a tree because it's your backstop's going to be the ground pretty much. You know. Now, what if somebody, though, is sitting on the ground in a ground blind with a crossbow and shoots, and now you're not shooting directly into the ground, and what if you miss your target and that arrow can go long ways? Uh, what if somebody, you know, what if somehow, you know, it said the horse got hit in the foot, so I'm wondering whether that was a stray arrow um, or could somebody have actually thought the horse was a deer and that would be even worst case scenario and actually shot at the horse yeah not I, a pretty good not a very good shot by the way no <laughs> but, i i don't i don't think they would think it's a deer that's that that would have that's pretty far off but you know there are people especially youngsters who shoot in the air at other things whether it be birds or ducks or something that might be up in a tree, you know, and shooting in the air and not meaning to hit anybody or anything else. But let's face it, sometimes, you know, when we're younger, we do kind of dumb things, you know. We don't think of what might be out there. So I'm kind of thinking that maybe somebody was shooting in the air and then your arrow's really going to fly, you know, a long distance. And, uh, yeah, that might happen like that. Well, you know, who knows? I mean, it's just speculation. Well, don't, you know, for shooting in the air, uh, I think some guys used to even try and shoot squirrels out of trees. I, I know I talked to somebody years ago, and they have like a blunt tip arrow that mm-hmm. you'd use. And a blunt tip arrow, if you whack the squirrel, can sometimes knock them out of the tree. And then for pheasant hunting, didn't they have what they called the flu-flu arrows or something yeah. like that? where it would Yeah, slow... well, those went up fast but came down quickly then too yeah right and they, they use those they for, didn't go that far so and and, and they use those for pheasants as well yeah, um, I, when i was younger i tried it too dumbest I, thing I, ta- I ever tried I, well <laughs> i talked i talked to a guy who claimed that he uh, he grew up in uh around the oak uh, oak creek cutahay area and he claimed he went out with friends in high school and they actually or college they actually knocked some out of the air but I, I don't know, they didn't, those arrows, did they have a blunt tip, Tom, or did they no. have like a field point? They had like a field point, yeah. Okay, because I knew it wasn't a broadhead, but, no. you know, those pheasants are pretty tough, though. I I can see maybe knocking them out of the air, but I, I can't really see finding a lot of them. I, I don't know, after seeing some of those, uh, some of those wily birds, you know, you knock them out of the sky, and and if you just break a wing or something, they hit the ground running. They they can escape pretty well. But oh, yeah. yeah, that was one thing, Tom, that I never really challenged myself on was the thought of shooting. In fact, I think I shot a flu flu arrow up into the air in the field behind my house just to 
experience it with the old recurve. And that arrow started out kind of fast, but slowed down real quick. And the thought of me trying to hit a bird out of the sky with that, I thought, nah, that's one challenge I'm not going to no. put myself up to. I'll stick to a shotgun. I know. Whoever invented that, I just didn't want to lose many arrows, that's for sure. But I'll tell you what, I, I tried that, and I had some shots at birds. And I'll tell you what, you got to be so darn fast. Because, you know, they come up quick and go away fast, and that arrow doesn't go that far. So you got to be really quick. And uh, I wasn't quick enough or accurate enough, and I decided, eh, that's enough of that. Oh, so you actually you actually did fling a few arrows at them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never, never, never got anything that way. I went back and the, to the And the relatives now. of those roosters are still living today, yeah, <laughs> thanks to <probably>. Tom. <laughs> what little roosters we have left but back to the horse story um i would think that for people that do have horses and they're going to ride in the in those state forests maybe even having a bell or some noise on their horse or you know like some people put on a dog or something a maybe yeah covering now like my dad it's interesting i, I wrote the article years ago when i wrote for the uh, lake country reporter about my dad's first deer that he shot up there in Douglas County and back then he used to skip school and to go deer hunting and it, he was 17 he skipped school that day he went down by the Namaji River and shot his first buck all by himself and then he went back to the farm and he, they had an old horse called Mabel and he took Mabel down to the river because this is I'll tell you what it's steep hills there dragging a deer out by yourself oh my god it'd be like going up a mountain uh, he got the horse, but what he did was he put an old red blanket over the horse, and it was getting close to dark, and as he's, you know, dragging the, the buck up off from, from the river, he was singing the whole time, he said. So he had the red blanket, plus he was singing because he wanted to make noise because he didn't want anybody shooting at Mabel and him. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so well, I would think... That was think, a good uh, idea. Yeah, if you're going to be out where you know it's public land, uh, do like Dad and Mabel did. There you go. Well, anyway, coming up next is the Gut Report, brought to you by Carl's Meat Market. Uh, anyway, it's out there in Menominee Falls on the corner uh, Tom, of... Tom, uh, yeah? it's, it's not the Gut Report, it's the Hornswoggle. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say Gut Report? You said Gut Report, Tom. <laughs> it's early on a Saturday you morning. You scheduled that CAT scan yet? <laughs> It's the Hornswoggle, <laughs> brought to you by Carl's. I know uh, you don't want to get the colon check, but a CAT scan might be a good idea. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Carl's Meat Market on the corners of Silver Spring and Pilgrim Road in Menominee Falls. And, uh, you know, I I know they do deer processing out, out there at Carl's, but I wonder if they do bear processing, too. I'm going to have to call them and find out. But anyway, we're going to uh, be right back, and you can be a contestant and get a, win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Meat Market at 799-1250. Just call us at 414-799-1250. Be a contestant, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. God bless everybody out there listening to us. Hope you're well, safe, healthy, and happy. 
enjoying uh, our beautiful fall so far. Good hunting, good fishing going on. So every day I wake up, I got to pinch myself and feel how lucky I am. Hey, uh, we've got our Hornswoggle segment, the long-awaited, the world-famous. People win, you know, trips to Europe, uh, you know, space shuttles and everything else. Actually, they win a $10 certificate to the greatest meat processor in the world, Carl's Country Market, Tom. And I'll tell you what, last year I did take a deer to him, and, uh, or two years ago it was, and I got some barbecue sticks. Holy cow, I, those did not last long. Boy, they delicious. So, uh, yeah. You can't go wrong at Carlson. Do we have a contestant here, Sam? Yes, today we got Roger and Cudahy. Roger that. Hello, Roger, Roger and Cudahy. Cudahy again. Good morning. Yeah, Good morning. Hey, Roger. You're, you're the only, you guys are the only two-hour live sports talk show, and I'm just, I'm one of your biggest fans. Well, thank right. you, Roger. All right. So, you know how this works, Roger. Um, I'll make the statement. If it's uh, true, it's no hornschwaggle. If it's false, you say hornschwaggle. Uh, you're pretty sharp. You normally get that correct. Sometimes we get people and they're like, uh, it is kind of confusing. But here we go. Uh, we're talking deer hunting here. I got deer hunting on the brain. In fact, uh, when we come back at the top of the hour, I got my deer hunting uh, story to tell you. It'll be beer talk with Dan Bush. But for right now, uh, handgun hunting for, uh, for whitetails isn't done a lot. But um, if you do handgun hunt, the DNR recommends using a 9mm handgun or larger, hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle. I'm going to say no hornschwaggle. No, that's a hornschwaggle, 9mm, too light. They normally recommend, I believe, 357 or higher. So, but here we go. Uh, if you do handgun hunt for whitetails, don't use your typical, you know, self-defense bullets that expand rapidly. You need a tougher bullet for whitetails. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? I'll say no hornschwaggle. No hornschwaggle. Okay. And let's, being as we're talking about uh, the types of uh, arms for harvesting whitetails, uh, rifles killed both by shock from the impact as well as, you know, damage, internal damage, as opposed to an arrow, which really kills by hemorrhaging and internal damage, not shock. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? No hornschwaggle. No hornschwaggle. Okay. Head away, Roger. Head away, Roger. And, uh, yeah, that hemorrhaging thing I'll be talking about at the top of the hour. But make sure you leave your uh, uh, address, name, and everything, and I'll get that $10 certificate sent out to you. Hopefully you shoot it. Are you going to go deer hunting this year? No, I haven't gone for a few years now. Well, I'll, ah, tell you, yeah. I'll tell you what, Roger, I'll meet you out at Carl's. We'll split that uh, gift certificate. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and I know, Tom, you mentioned I did have a bear done there one year. You did, so they do do bear, too. They will. All right, well, that's good to know. Okay, they, yeah. I figured they probably did. They, 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 they got everything out there. So, yeah. So, very good. Thanks for listening there, Roger. Yeah, stay on hold, Roger, to get your uh, address and all that, okay? Okay. Thanks, I Sam. Think he, I think he got that. I hope Sam's he did. Got, Sam's got it under control, Tom. I got, well, the, I got anyway, the voice in yeah. my... I got, the, I got the mic in my ear, Tom. Oh, so, okay. Sam's got it. Okay. Sam's got good. it. Hey, uh, uh, another announcement real quick, Tom. Uh, Wisconsin Walleye Management Plan, a virtual meeting, November 10th for Pepin Buffalo Trempolo 
Jackson, La Crosse, Monroe, and Vernon counties. Uh, Department of Natural Resources will have their regional public meeting to discuss updating the Wisconsin management plan. And uh, comments from the public uh, can be uh, issued uh, via this public input format. So uh, if go online to the Wisconsin DNR, look it up, Google it. I'm sure you can find if you want to take part in that. You know, I was going to say, if, if anybody, uh, if any anglers, you know, have their boats out still, and if they want to take a little bit of a road trip, I would recommend highly going to the Fox River up by Tapir, Green Bay area. Now's a time where there's less boats in the river, and there's a lot of walleyes. And the nice thing is up there is that, you know, you can catch muskie, northern pike, smallmouth bass, white bass. There's a, there's a lot of different fish in the river, but especially the walleyes, lots and lots of walleyes. Whether you be up by the dam in front of the Fort Howard Paper Company, I mean, there's a lot of areas to fish. There's some warm water discharges, which congregate bait fish, which, of course, as you know, then congregate the, the game fish. So I would recommend highly the Fox River up by De Pere, Green Bay area. Now, let's say mm-hmm. your boat's already put away. There are actually a number of places to go that where you can fish from shore and actually catch fish. Now, we talked about one of them with uh, Muskie on the Bay, I mean, Smokey's on the Bay, uh, Tilkey, that's uh, right close to his place up there by the mouth of the river. But there's a place called Voyager Park that would be on the, what is that, the west? I'm just trying to think now. West side in De Pere near the, uh, old, the fairgrounds. No, it's on the east side on the Voyager. east side. Oh, you're right. Is that by the launch there, by the Dairy yes. Queen? Well, no, it's not by the launch. It's before the launch. Uh, there's a place called Voyager Park. There's no there's no launch there, but it's just before the, the Burger King launch or whatever they call that launch there. I forget what they call it. But there they got benches out there, but, you know, if they're full, bring along a lawn chair or whatever. But you can actually, it's oh, it's right by the lock. Because, you know, there's a lock there that they used to use years ago. They don't use it anymore, but it's right by that. And uh, so you can actually catch uh, really nice walleyes right from shore there. So In the, in the spring, in the spring, I don't recommend it because it's a zoo. Oh, Too many people from what yeah, I hear. They actually built a, built a pier out there, which made things worse because then it mm-hmm. gave everybody and their brother access. Uh, we got a caller, Tom. Yeah, okay. We got Brian in Milwaukee. Okay, good morning, Brian. Hey, I just want to... Talk to you quick. I know the uh, top of the hour is coming up, but uh, I get the walkshop paper out here, and they had that article about that horse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a beautiful horse. They had a picture of it, and they ended up having to kill it because. Uh, really? Yeah, because there's a whole article. You can maybe go online and pick it up. It's on in the Freeman's called GMToday.com. But uh, they said that they took it to the vet or whatever, and the arrow kind of it shows a picture in the X-ray that the arrow came down into like where the tenant and stuff is and the uh, artery. And for some reason, if you look at racehorses and that too, whenever they something happens to their legs or something, evidently horses don't get good blood supply to their legs, and that's yeah. why a lot of times the racehorses they have to put them down. Yeah. But uh, she took it to the vet, or the vet came out there or something. I don't know what the deal was, but they said it would have been ten thousand dollars to do surgery. Oh, my and God. They said, and they Could, said that there is no guarantee because, like I said, the horses don't seem to get good blood supply to their legs could, for some couldn't, reason. Couldn't they give and, the horse uh, Viagra or something and improve that well, blood flow? I don't know. Kind of a sad story, though. 
Wow, that is that is. Well, thanks for calling and yeah, if you go, if you go online and look it up. I don't know if you can bring it up on the in the computer. It was it was in Friday's paper. Yeah, but it was it was a beautiful horse. Wow, that's okay. too bad. That's a shame. Yeah, thanks. It was, thanks for calling. We appreciate yeah. it. You guys, have you a know, good day. okay. Bye now. That Tom, I'm I'm not a not necessarily a horse guy. Ever since the one ran off with me at Spencer Lake Bible Camp and wouldn't stop when I was a kid, but they are beautiful animals and. I've I've stopped to admire them sometimes, just driving down the down the country road, and I look, and there's a beautiful horse standing there in a the pasture. I think there's something really cool about that, and uh, so that is really sad that uh, that they had to put the horse down. I'm really surprised. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, we're hitting the top of the hour. We got a just a couple of commercial breaks, folks. So uh, don't run away. Get another cup of coffee, maybe. Uh, sit back, relax, and uh, we'll be right back with more of the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. The following is paid commercial program. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! Ha ha ha! Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning, folks. Welcome to the second hour of the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Uh, with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, we do appreciate you riding along with us on the crazy train. And if you want to get in touch with us on the show, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And you know what I was thinking of doing this year, Danny? What were you thinking about doing, Tom? I'm thinking this year to start make some of my own sausage. You know, I've got uh, uh, an electric meat grinder, and it's got all the attachments, you know, for making sausage. And I've never done that, and I thought, you know what? I wonder if Carl's Country Market has, you know, those kits with the spices and the casings and all that. You know, because I'm going to try to do that this year. I might fail, but I'm going to try. I think it's a great, great idea. I've known lots of friends, deer hunters especially, that love doing that stuff. It's kind of like the... The whole from field to freezer. They yeah. harvest the game. They take care of it. They clean it. They co- Me, I just like to shoot them. And can I tell a deer hunting story now, Tom? Oh, please. Please, go okay. ahead. Okay. <clears throat> beer talk. Everybody out there, I want you to crack open a beer because it's now beer talk segment with Dan Bush. So here we go. So I, as you guys know, uh, I've been – I went up hunting. I think I told the story where I bow hunted once this year. And my plan was to try and shoot a doe with the bow. And uh, the doe stopped on the other side of the tree when I thought it was going to go to the other side of the tree. And by the time I turned around, I'd blown, never got a shot. Um, But once the rut starts, you know, around this time of year, I'm thinking, hey, I'm done playing around. I'm going to take the crossbow out. And I only sat one hour last year with the crossbow. I only hunted once. 
And I sat and I had, think I told the story how I looked and there's a buck coming towards me. I'm sitting on the ground by a stump and I thought, ah, oh, it's not big enough to shoot. I was being a, a, a hunting snob. And then it got close to me about 20 yards and lifted its head. And I'm thinking, oh, holy cow, I got to shoot that thing. And then, you know, by the time I went to move and take the, raise the crossbow and take the safety off, the, it, the thing was on me and, you know, bounded away tail wagon i'm like oh i blew a chance so anyway uh i went out uh this week tuesday night sat in the ground blind for about three hours saw one buck across the field working the edge of a marsh uh the next morning i went and drove on out and i saw another buck working along a woods edge so I started thinking about it, Tom, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I, right now, those bucks, it's not the full rut. They're not chasing like crazy going like some days. There's Every hunter will appreciate and have stories of when they're out there during the peak of the rut, you can sit there and it's like a it's like a parade of deer running by, you know, big bucks, little bucks, those running. I mean, they're, they're all just going nuts. Well, it's not that point yet. There's bucks working. There's big scrapes along the edge of the fields. The bucks are starting to work those. So I thought I got to get on a field edge. So I'm thinking about it. I think I, I thought of a spot where I was going to go. And uh, basically it's by a creek in a stand that I've uh, I never actually hunted that stand. But I did hunt Kitty Corner across and had a buck come across the field years ago with the bow that I shot under. So something just told me, go to that spot. So I'm sitting there Wednesday night, and uh, it's about five to six, and I'd seen a couple does way hundreds of yards away across the field feeding, and I'm just looking at my watch thinking, okay, I'm not going to see nothing. And then at the, it's kind of funny, Tom, at that point, if, you, if you're getting bored, you're actually kind of cheering on the darkness thinking, okay, I hope it gets dark soon so I can get out of here and, and go have a beer. So, or a grape knee high or a Arby's two for six deal. So anyway, I'm sitting there thinking about that and I look across field and I've never seen this before, but there's a deer standing on its hind legs, a buck, and it looks like he's licking its, some branch. So it's basically a buck. He'd come out of on a trail, and later I looked and saw a scrape there, and he's working along. And my initial reaction, Tom, is like last year when I, you know, looked. I thought, oh, that's a buck, but nah, not big enough. But the little voice went off in my head that said, hey, jerk, don't be a snob and do like last year and and blow your chance. At least get ready to shoot in case you change your mind and it is right. big enough. So. I kneeled down in the stand because I had previously kind of kneeled down and thought, you know, if one comes this way, I'm going to rest the crossbow right on the side. Uh, and previously I had ranged. Now I'm on a creek, on one side of a creek, and there's lots of branches and trees. So I only have a couple of spots where I'm going to get a shot if a deer comes down this edge of the field. And uh, one I ranged at like 35 yards, and I thought if one's there, it's 35. One I ranged at about 30. And, you know, you got the different, you know, uh, pins, and not pins, but marks inside your little scope on your crossbow. So I kind of ranged it out, had an idea. So this buck is working the edge perfectly. It comes and makes a left turn, basically a 90-degree turn. It hits the corner of the field, and it's coming right down my wood's edge, you know, right towards me. So I'm watching it. I'm watching it. And I, 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 and now it gets to the point where it gets closer. It's not quite to the area that I ranged, but it's an area that, you know, it's a little bit clear, but still a lot of stuff. And I'm looking through the scope. The thing stops. 
in a little voice in my head, I can just see a, through the through the 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 35-yard mark on the crossbow scope. It's an opening, and I'm right behind the shoulder, and it's clear. Now again, there's sticks and branches in the scope. With a bow, you never would have took that shot because you would have thought there's too much stuff. But with that scope, I could kind of like with a rifle, I picked an opening, and something just told me take it. Sometimes you just know when it's time. So I squeeze and I hear a whack a split second later. And the deer hunches and takes off running and I'm thinking dead deer running. And uh, it's bounding off and then it makes, it runs about 50 yards and makes a, a left turn, another 90 degree turn and runs right back into the woods where I first thought, saw it standing on its hind legs licking a branch. And it bounds on in unscathed. I mean, it doesn't look like it's touched. But I'm still thinking to myself, I heard it. I, I saw it get whacked. I saw it hunch. But, but then, you know, Tom, you're kind of second-guessing yourself because it all happens in a split second. And you're still thinking, well, what if it whacked a tree and it was just kind of reacting from that sound? Right. And so I called my brother, and he said, he said, don't go look. Just leave it be. It's going to be cold tonight. Uh, the only danger is if, if it is hit, the only danger if there's coyotes. But it's likely going to be laying dead up there just on the other side of the, the fence where it went in or wood's edge where it went in. So all night long, Tom, let me tell you, you have a sleepless night. And hunters out there, I know there's somebody out there listening to me that can, can who's experienced this. You toss and turn all night long, and you're, you're replaying it in your head. Did I hit it? Didn't I hit it? Should I have shot? Shouldn't I have shot? It's, did I, you know, so I go from one minute thinking I got it, another second, I didn't get it. Uh, am I going to be elated? Am I going to be disappointed? So I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, and I'm thinking, okay, it's time to get up and get going. <laughs> I, I thought it was 5.30. I normally wake up at 5.30. I was wide awake at 2.30. I had to wait. I had to drink a beer just to relax and go back to sleep in the motel room. <laughs> and then I go online, and I start YouTubing the sound of a rage broadhead when it hits. And I watch a guy shoot a deer, buck with the bow, and it goes co-whack. And the guy goes, cameraman goes, wow, that really makes sound like a baseball bat when that hits. And, you know, it was a rage broadhead they're talking about. And I'm thinking, that's exactly the sound that I heard when I shot at my buck. So now I'm thinking, yeah, I hit him. Then, I, then I'm reading, how far do deer run when they're double lung shot? And it shows a guy, slow motion, the deer kind of hunching at the shot and doing kind of a mule kick and running off with its tail high bounding and the guy says don't worry about the tail high that don't mean anything and i'm thinking to myself that's exactly how my deer reacted so i saw those two youtube videos at three in the morning and i'm thinking yeah yeah i got it but then on the other hand i'm thinking i messed up shouldn't have shot should have waited for it to get to the clearer area it was too far i used the 35 yard pin probably should have used the 40. this is all going through my head so i go the next morning daylight walk on out there to where i shot i expect to find i'm hoping to find a bloody arrow and a bunch of blood i find nothing i look up at the tree and i'm like i shot through all that stuff oh my god there's no way i hit that deer so i'm kind of depressed i go back around the creek, climb up in the stand and look through the scope of the crossbow. And I think, yeah, you know, you, you could have picked an opening if you did it just right. So I go back around to the spot where I shot and all I find is white hair. And now I'm like, oh no, I hit it too low because I lost a, a deer years ago that I shot long shot with a rifle and, and I hit too low 
and all I found was white hair and never got yeah. the deer. And I just find a little bit of blood on that white hair. So then I walk 50 yards out in the field. I find another patch of little white hair, but no blood. I, I'd only found one drop of blood in the first spot. So now I'm thinking, oh, no, hit him too low. Follow all the way to the wood's edge. And I'm thinking, I didn't get this deer. I'm not going to see a god. I'd convinced myself, but I thought, well, I got to walk in, look up on the ridge, kind of look around. Boy, it sure would be great to see something lay in the white belly. I walk in, I see a white birch. I'm like, oh, that's not a white belly of a deer. Walk a little bit further, look over to my right, and there's there's a big buck laying down dead. And uh, I walk up to it. It's way bigger than what I thought when I shot at it. Uh, I, it, it, I got, I got a, the biggest eight pointer of my life. I nailed that thing. And do you know, I hit it with that rage broadhead. I hit it exactly where I aimed. Um, I hit right behind the, uh, the, the kind of the bend of his elbow, shoulder, whatever. And so I did hit a little bit low, but then it exited on the other side and it has a huge hole. Those rage broadheads, oh my God, they make a, unbelievable the damage that they do. But how that thing didn't leave a blood trail is totally, I, I just can't fathom it. All I can guess is that I, if you hit them low and maybe other hunters can enlighten, I'm not, I haven't shot a lot of them with the bow. I think what happens if you hit them kind of low, the blood pools in the chest, the lower chest, because when I cleaned it out, that's where it had all the blood. If you hit them a little bit higher, then you get the blood pumping out the side where you get a good blood trail. But still, looking at that hole, you, you still wouldn't believe that I couldn't find a blood trail. But needless to say, make a long story short before break, uh, I, I'm, I was a happy guy. I got that buck. Well, congrats. That's all right. That's uh, quite interesting. You know? So you know what this means for Tom Newbauer? No, I told you. This that means for Tom week. Newbauer, Tom Newbauer gets some venison from Bushy. No. He can what? try making his sausage this year. Remember last year I told you I stopped eating venison? No. Yes, I told you that last year, like in before you went deer hunting in November. Why, why'd you eating stop venison. eating venison? Huh? Why? Because of the high cholesterol? No, I no. it's actually very healthy for you, but with all the different diseases going around, I just figured, well, you know what? I'm not going to eat it anymore. I mean, yeah. I like beef better. Yeah, so, and you were eating venison. You, you quit eating venison, but you were still smoking at that time. Back then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> what's no, the, no, no, what's I the wasn't. sense? No, huh? no, I wasn't. No, because I had my operation. Uh, November 7th. So Okay. All right. So you yeah, have quite Anyway, yeah, we got to go to a break. Uh coming up next is the football picking contest brought to you by Curly's Waterfront Pub. Win a $10 gift certificate to Curly's and uh be a be the contestant at 7991250. Uh Sam is going to get the odds, the point spread and uh Oh yeah, well give us a call and we'll do that yeah. next. So stay tuned for more. Tom, um, uh, I didn't yeah. want to give you any venison anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there. All right. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back. Skipper Buds, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Getting on board the crazy train this morning. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tommy the True Newbauer. And uh, right now, Tom, what segment do we have? Well, we got the, the NFL football picking contest, and uh, do we have a contestant there, Sam? 
Yeah, today we got Ray in Milwaukee. All right. Good morning, Ray. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, we're doing great. Danny and I are just doing wonderful this morning. Uh, so, Sam, what's the point spread? As of now, the Packers are favored by six and a half points, 51 over under. Wow, six and a half. They're really thinking they're going to kick some butt. Well, Ray, who do you got? Who do you? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay. Tell us the Green deal. Bay is, Green Bay is banged up. Their left tackle's out. The kicker's out. Their running back's out. Minnesota's coming off a bye. Minnesota's 1-5. Green Bay's 5-1. and one. I'm going with Minnesota with the points, 31-27. All right. All righty. Danny, what do you got? Um, um, where's the game at? Lambeau. 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 Uh, yeah, I'll go with Minnesota. I'll go with Ray. Ray's a very smart man, and, and the fact of the matter is without a kicker, you know, we don't have Jerry Kramer anymore to fill in and kick, so, yeah, that could be a problem. And, Sam, what do you think? Well, despite all that, uh, Minnesota's defense managed to somehow get worse from week one, so I will take the Packers. I will also take the Packers. I'm a homer, Ray. You know that. <laughs> And I'm not seeing I'm not seeing Mason Crosby on the injury report. I know he was like banged up all week and all that, but it looks like he's a go. He was, yeah. They didn't know about him right away. They weren't sure. It's in the paper today that it, it is. Look, it, it's fifty fifty. He's questionable. Yeah. It's possible. Well, yeah, they'll, Ray, t- they'll trot him out there. He'll jog a little. It'll be, be windy tomorrow. It's going to be real oh, yeah. windy. Yeah. Well, you know, on this uh, segment, you got to either win or tie us, and you've already tied us. So. <laughs> Yeah, your address. Getting a ten dollar gift certificate <laughs> to to Curly's Waterfront Pub on Pewaukee Lake. Oh, great! I go in there for a nice pizza. Don't they got home run pizzas in there? Well, they got yeah. they have homemade pizzas. Yeah, they yeah. It, and be in there. Hope I run into Bushy. I could hear another story. That was yeah. a long <laughs> story with his big buck. Ray, it'll cost you a beer, but I'll probably be there this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't think I'll get the certificate that fast, do no. I? No. Uh, probably not. I'll put it in the mail, though, right away. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to the guy last week, Rocky. I know him from the gym. He was on the Orangewago, and he, you stumped him on the moss. He said it only grew around the north side. It grows all the way around the tree, right? Yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, right. I personally okay. found that out the hard way. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling yeah, there, Ray. Indian, I ran into you, Tom, at the store. Yeah, it was nice talking to you. We were talking about the mini mites. Yeah, that's right. It was nice talking to you. Did you uh, use them this year? Not yet, but well, I'm, you... I'm going to be using them for bluegills in the spring. Yep, you got all next year to use them. So. But when you use them now, you say you just tie them right to the line, no sinker, no nothing, and just cast, right? That's right. Tie direct. Don't use any of those snap swivels or nothing like that. It, and make sure you tie it so it hangs horizontal in the water. Right. Yeah, okay. Good tip. Boy, you're full oh. of them today, Bushy. Oh, yeah. Uh, just just wound up here. Know. Ray, did you I say didn't... he was full of it or full of them? Oh, well, hey, Ray. Of, hey, Tom, a little bit of both. Now, Ray, here's here's another, another tip, being as I'm full of tips. Now, you tie it. You know, so it hangs horizontal. So on the eye of the hook, you got to do it right. And another thing that Tom and I field tested, proven by Tom Neubauer and Dan Bush during our field test off my pier here uh, a, while, a couple years ago, was if you spray a little bit of that bait mate, 
the uh, garlic and salt one uh, onto the, your mini mite, that just seemed to pick things up when the bite slowed. So it seemed to help, help with the bluegill. Sure doesn't hurt. So pick up a spray bottle of that. I think there's uh, I think there's one or two left at Smokey's Musky Shop. If you walk in there, look up on top of the second shelf there. It looks kind of like in a green kind of a great. Well, it's clear, but clear bottle, but the stuff looks green. Buy that sprayed on the mini mites. You can't go wrong. Yeah, you know I what agree. I'm going to do? That's a good tip. But you know what? I cook with a lot of garlic. I'm just going to take one clove. There you go. Just rub it right on the rub it right on the hook. There you go. Yep. That that that'll work. That should rub work it on well. your neck too. It helps meat and chicks at waterfront. <laughs> okay, I'll sit next to you. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for hey, calling, thanks Ray. Guys. Great Take show. care, Ray. Okay, All right. Bye now. Thanks, man. That's funny. Well, uh, we got a winner. I mean, for yeah, we got a winner for the football picking contest. So maybe Tom, maybe Tom, we got to add. How? Why did we go to just one game only? Uh, because at the time we switched producers, and the producer at the time didn't know how to, you know, uh, keep a spreadsheet to keep uh, all the games intact to see who was ahead and who was behind. You know, when we were having our little contest there, so. Yeah, he didn't know how to do it, and uh, so we just just went to one game. It was a lot easier. Well, Sam is a pretty talented guy, our producer now, Tom. You know. Yeah, but I, he's I, not he's not there every week. Sometimes Sam, you know, he works too many hours at the station, and he's not on our show, or he might be moving, or you know, might be out with a girl, whatever. So. I, I, I just used to it just used to be kind of fun picking more games. Yeah, it 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 was, and you know, keeping a track and all that. But then when you get a when you get a fill-in producer, they don't know what to do, and then okay. it just throws everything off. You know. Okay. All so right. that okay, was one gotcha. of the problems we did did have there for a while. But yeah, well, no problem. As long as our our uh, uh, our listeners are happy that they win a you know mm-hmm. contest every now and then, so. Well, I guess we're like third grade soccer here, Tom. Everybody's a winner That's when they right. jump, That's jump right, on board. Everybody. Well, on the horn, on the horn schwaggle, schwaggle, a person can lose, but on True. the NFL football picking contest, it seems like everybody wins. So True. Hey, uh, we were talking deer a while ago. A couple more deer stories. Uh, did you hear the story where this lady's pet deer attacked a neighbor? Um. Uh, is that the one where they the, the deer was a buck and it stuck her with its horns? Yeah, yeah. She had yeah. to run into her garage or something, and and apparently the, the the lady had kept the pet deer since it was a fawn and kept it as a pet. But then some other neighbor was out, and you know those bucks they 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 get aggressive. They got the old hormones going in the fall, and uh, apparently you know once they lose their fear of man. And yeah, so this this deer was attacking her and this and that, and uh, and so the the owner, I, I believe the uh, I can't remember for sure. I think the police put the deer down. The owner got in trouble for that. And then I also heard about it in London. Uh, it's not necessarily a white-tailed deer. I think they got a, the different deer over there. But in some like zoo or park, some lady tried to get too close for a selfie with a buck, and she got attacked. Oh jeez. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, it's rare, but uh, but you got to be careful. And then I, I actually, uh, oh, we talked about the elk that had actually gotten up. 
and attacked attacked the yeah, hunter that right, was, right. was wounded. So, yeah, you know, Tom, when you are approaching a down deer, yeah, I know it's been a long time since you've hunted, but how did you? What was your? How would you approach a deer once it's down on the ground? I, I didn't learn until after. Uh, <laughs> what I happened? I didn't know until later on yet that uh, you're supposed to go from behind and touch it on the eye with the uh, tip of your rifle. Yeah, that's I what I always did. I always come from behind just yeah. in case. Um, another thing you can do is look at their belly and see if it's, a lot of times you can look and see if it's moving or not or still breathing. But yeah, you got to, you know, always approach them, you know, even though you think it might be down. Now, I've heard the stories of guys actually coming up and putting a uh, putting their rifle in the rack of the deer and they want to take a picture of the deer with the rifle in the rack and then the deer comes to after you know it gotten like whacked in the antler and knocked knocked out for briefly and then it jumps up and runs off with the guy's rifle <laughs> I, I i heard that from a relative of my dad who claims he knew the guy it happened to or something and i've actually heard it more than once so yeah, that would really be a bummer. And last year where we hunt, uh, the neighbor farm, neighboring farmer came up and he showed us a picture of this beautiful big buck laying there with its head up. Looks perfectly alive. He goes, well, did you guys get this? And we said, no, why? He said, well, my daughter shot this and came up on it. She didn't have it the heart to finish it off, so she called me at the farm to come down and finish it off. And when I walked up, the thing jumped up and ran into your marsh and they heard one of us shoot later, and they he assumed that, you know, it'd run to somebody, one of our guys, and, and got shot. But no, we'd never seen it. But they got a picture of this deer. Can you imagine having a picture of your trophy buck, but you never got it? <laughs> it just ran wow. off. Yeah. Crazy uh, stories. Well, I, I imagine that happens every now and then to hunters. And maybe uh, one of our listeners, that happened to them, and they'll give us a call at 799-1130 and tell us. Uh, no, excuse me, 799-1250. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm just screwing up crazy today, ain't I? That's why we love you, Tom. Yeah, That's 799-1250 okay. is the phone number. Anyway, we'll be right back, folks. we got just a couple more bills to pay. So uh, stay tuned for more of the Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the last exciting half hour of the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. And, uh, Tom, before we went to break, did you tease something, as I recall, or am I imagining things now? Did I see something? No, did you te- tease something? Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry, Sam. We're starting to lose it here. That's so. okay. Just reminding everybody, turn your clocks back tonight, one hour. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Got to remind everybody. Oh, here's another uh, And be careful when you go out on the ice, make sure it's thick enough. Here's Gotta keep giving these warnings. To... Don't text pub... and drive. Yeah, here's another public service announcement. If you want that We Energy's uh, Christmas cookie cookbook, uh, if you're a We Energy customer, all you got to do is call We Energy, and uh, they'll they'll mail it to you. You don't have to drive down to Miller Park. They'll mail it to you. We Energy's has a cookbook. You don't know about this? Oh, no, this is... nobody. 
Nobody told me. I'm not on the email chain. Oh, this I'm is, a wee customer. This has been going on for the last God, over 20 years. Every year, We Energies comes out with a Christmas cookie cookbook, and you get them for free. And get them for uh, free. you can either pick them up. You know, in, in, around the state, there's different areas where you can pick them up. In our area, it's down at Miller Park. It's a drive-through thing. Now this year, it's a drive-through thing. And uh, but if you want, you can have it uh, mailed to you. You just got to call We Energies and ask them about it. Yeah, good important announcement there. Hey, uh, speaking of important announcements, we've got Mr. Al Shook on the line. All right, so sure we got some rocking information here. Morning, Al. Hey, Al. Gentlemen. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? This is just about a one-year anniversary, isn't it? Uh, yeah, just about. It was November 7th last year, and I stopped smoking on the 5th. So I almost got a one-year anniversary without smoking. Well, that's good. That's good, and a repaired heart to boot, so everything's going good. Yeah, and I figure I'll start smoking again when I'm 80. Yeah. Because if I'm not dead by then, that ain't going to kill me, so. Yeah, then it's too late to worry about it. Tom's Tom's doing good, Al. He ran a marathon this summer. Is that right? Yeah, it was about a half a block. There you go. Tom, that's a marathon. (laughs) 26 sidewalk squares. Yeah, Yeah, I know you guys were talking about seafoam earlier. I use that in everything that I have. And uh, I don't put it in the crankshaft. They say you can put it in to help with the oil and so on and so forth. But I change oil so fast it's not worth it. But. For my small good. engines and recreational oh. stuff, I'm using seafoam all the time. So that's good for me to put it in my lawnmower engine and snowblower engine? Uh, I, you'd be crazy if you didn't. Really? All right. Yeah, that stuff sits there for uh, such a long time. Uh, uh, my, You know, you guys were talking about winterizing your boat, and some guys say they fog their engine and everything else. And I know people are going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but I have never done it to any outboard motor that I've had. And I've never had a problem come springtime starting them up and running them. It's the only thing I ever worry about is check the lower unit oil to make sure that there's not any, you know, didn't leak and get water in it. Other than that, I just put it up and put the trickle chargers on them and that's it for the winter. I don't, that's it. (laughs) So that seafoam... Go to any great lengths to prepare it, put it away, do whatever. I just put it in the garage, put the, you know, put the trickle chargers on both batteries, and I'll see you whenever I want to go fishing again. So that sea foam is supposed to, like, what, take all the moisture out and stuff? Is that how it's, it's Al? Yeah, the, it the is? chemical reaction that it, that it does, I couldn't tell you, but I know it works just from experience. I used to use stable. Stable is a real good product. Right. But, right. you know, it, it, the sea foam, yeah, you've got to put in one ounce per gallon. Right. Whereas with the stable, that's like two ounces to five gallons or something like that. But, you know, you don't usually see if, like if I go up north to a resort, you, they, they're not selling stable. They're selling sea foam. Right. Wow. You know, there's a lot of places that will sell sea foam that don't sell stable. So if you're buying gas and every time I put fuel in the, the boat when I'm up north, hey, sea foam's going in with it. I, it's just automatic. Right. So it, it well, works. I, two cycle, I, two cycle, four cycle. It's just 
it's good stuff. And as far as Al Linder being honest, Al, I, I can't speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, Danny, that's quite a story about that deer. That's, uh, yeah. You know, when you send me those pictures, I, I think the urge was to call you to get the story, but I figured I'd, I'd get it on the radio and hear the excitement. So Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's, yeah, that's I was cool. Yeah, I was happy to find it, I'll tell you, because uh, I honestly, when I found just a little bit of white hair, I'm like, and no arrow, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, and, you we know, were I, talking about that when we were out there hunting, about guys losing stuff and, you know, not being able to track and and so forth, and the good signs and the bad signs that you find. Interesting. So, I, I, talked to, I, I talked to some locals up there, Al, and, uh, you know, we, we stopped kind of by this... Uh, this one little little uh, farm area where uh, uh, we knew some neighbors and showed them the deer and talking to a couple guys there and they were talking about tracking deer that the subject kind of came up and uh, they talked about uh, how they found a deer last year by hiring somebody with a dog and apparently that's getting more and more popular uh, and actually the dogs the guys who handle those dogs that track the deer they actually claim that the easier ones to find are the gut shot deer because it puts out more of a stink for the deer, I mean, for the dogs to follow. So, you know, it's almost easier to find the gut shot deer than the one that might be hitting the shoulder or whatever. And uh, apparently this, they hired a guy, they paid him 50 bucks to come out. And then once they found the deer, another 50 bucks. So for 100 bucks, they found the deer and the guy said to me, he said, you know, it was well worth it. So that is something to consider if you lose a deer, which, you know, I've, you know, I've maybe twice in my life. I, and it's a sickening feeling. But rather than giving up altogether, at this point, I'd suggest going into the Yellow Pages or Google and find that guy with the dog. And maybe you can still salvage it and find the deer. It's going to cost you a few bucks, but who cares? I know there's a lot of guys that are doing that now. When I was still in the Congress, there was uh, an organization where they were petitioning the state that those uh, dog handlers could actually carry a gun because those dogs can find a bear, they can find a deer, they can find whatever. You know, they're just blood trackers. And uh, they were saying, you know, sometimes they would stumble upon an animal that was still, that was wounded, and, you know, just be, be able to dispatch it, you know. I, right. Like a hunter can't shoot at night on certain game, so if they found it at night and it was wounded, would they be able to, as the dog handler tracker, be able to dispatch it if the hunter was with them and so on and so forth and... You know, something like that needed legislative change. And, of course, you know, that wasn't going to happen. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are doing that now with dogs. Like, they've trained them to find antlers in the spring. Guys are training dogs to follow blood trails. And, they're and I, would, I, would say, I would say, Al, the, some of the best dogs in the world to do that would be, like, your kind of dogs the labradors those apparently labs i was online studying labs have one of the as far as noses they're one of the best breeds in the world i guess well i i don't know about which dog to, to track a deer but i know summer doesn't walk past too many pheasants that's for darn sure <laughs> yeah you're right about that you're right about that so but that's uh that was a pretty cool story how many points was that dan 
that's an eight point. Uh, it's got one little nub coming out, which you know, you it, you wouldn't. It's not big enough to call a nine point, but yeah, it's nice, evenly matched. Not a monster, but a real nice looking buck. Like I said, it was it was way bigger than you know I thought it was. You know, when I shot it, I thought you know it's a shooter buck, but uh, it didn't. I thought it had a thinner rack than it did when I went and found it laying there, and it's pretty thick, heavy rack i'm like wow this is a nicer not a huge i think part of it was i don't think it was a real old deer because it wasn't a huge bodied deer you know yeah. like sometimes you see a big you know one of these huge bodied deer you know um this uh this this wasn't a huge bodied deer you know a decent sized deer but not a but uh it really uh, nice nice rack on it so yeah i was a happy guy that's that's kind of nice now it'd be nice to get one with the gun now too have you been hunting yet al have you with your crossbow or no, I haven't been out. I've been watching the camera, and all I'm getting are does and fawns coming through in the day. But I have started to see a couple of scrapes back back where I hunt. So I've got some yard work to to do today. And then, you know, with a full moon tonight and, uh, you know, the next couple of days, things should uh, should really get hopping. Now, you had a mechanical broadhead, or you yeah. said you were using a range? A range? Yeah, I was using... Yeah, I was using the Rage, which is a mechanical broadhead. That's pretty neat. I'll yeah, tell you that that fixed blade. Yeah, and you know, I, I got the mechanical, you know, like three years ago, uh, four years, whenever when I got the crossbow, and I'd never used them. And you gotta put them together uh, just right. There's like a, a shock, kind of a collar, and you gotta put it together just right. And then when that when the arrow impacts, that collar breaks, and then the, the blades open. Uh, and they were having a problem um, with some of the mechanical broadheads uh, when the crossbows first came out. Guys were having problems because those crossbows are so fast that the mechanical broadhead would open up in flight. That's so, what I heard. That's, that, that was the knock against it. That right. I so then when I, when I researched it, I found out that they make uh, those Rage broadheads ones designed for crossbows. So you got to make sure if you are going to use them on a crossbow or even one of these hyper-fast bows nowadays, uh, like the crossbow I have is 370 feet per second, uh, make sure you look at the package that it's for crossbows. And uh, it worked. It worked. You know, I put those together myself three years ago, and I was always silently wondering, what if I put it together wrong and that collar doesn't, yeah, that'd be something I do. I'm thinking, yeah. and it just drills through and doesn't open. But boy, I'll tell you what, that son of a gun opened. Boy, that's pretty neat. And now I understand that Tom has become a venison bigot. Yeah. He doesn't want any venison. I, I I'm don't. I'm a venison snob now. I don't get it. Uh, I don't. More being a bigot, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Jeez. Can't <laughs> yeah. believe you, Tom. I think we gotta. I think we gotta go to break, guys. All right. Well, yeah, we do. Have a good call now. Enjoy the wonderful fall day, and Tom, All righty, see good ya. work, buddy. Good hearing you. All right. Well, we'll be Take right care, back, Al. folks. Stay tuned. We got one more segment to go here on 12:50 a.m. The fan. Welcome back to the final segment of the Skibber Buds 
cutting edge outdoors. Uh, thanks to our listeners. And I want a special shout out to uh, Stephen Big Buck Olson. My buddy Scott's uh, son shot a nice buck, big eight pointer last Saturday. Uh, in fact, Tom, I got a text with the picture of the buck Sunday morning. And the story is, is uh, he hit it with the crossbow. And uh, he's actually got the same crossbow I have. The uh, It's uh, the center point sniper. Uh, which I highly recommend. Economical crossbow costs about 250 bucks, but it's actually made by the good folks at uh, Crossman Air Rifles. And uh, anyway, he shot a big buck, and he actually hit it in the uh, in the back end, I believe, in the hindquarter area. And he he uh, didn't think he'd find it, and they actually found it the next morning. And it's kind of interesting. I was talking to my brother about it, Tom. And uh, he said, my brother said he read an article or saw it on TV years ago where this well-known hunter, author, writer, whatever, outdoors guy was talking about it. He said, which you'd never hear anybody say today, he said, if you get a clear shot with a bow at a hindquarter uh, and you can take a clear shot, he said, go ahead and do it because there's lots of arteries in the back end and it, at the time the guy claimed that you had a decent shot chance of killing it now of course nobody would ever recommend shooting a deer there now but apparently there are a lot of arteries and uh you can uh you know you can pile them up he actually found the deer right up on the ridge uh you know and uh, you know so that's one thing too if you are following a wounded deer even if you don't have a blood trail just as long as you pay attention to where it was when it left, which way it was going, in many cases, you can figure out what trail it's on, get on there, follow it, kind of figure if, you know, where do you likely would it go run on up and lay down and go check that out. And one other advice I would have is once you think you've gone far enough where you've gone as far as you can and didn't find it, go further. Go, an- go further. Yes, <laughs> go further. I'm telling you. Go further. And then once you think that's far enough, go another 50 yards. Because I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many times I found a deer that I had almost turned around and gone back. And one time I did miss a deer because I turned around and went back and I found it a week later. And had I walked 20 yards further, I would have. So you definitely got to make sure you follow up on on it, even if you don't think you hit it good. Wow. Yeah, that's good advice. That is. And just want to remind people, Dave's Turf and Marine does winterizing of your boat uh, engine, I should say, and they also do boat storage. And Carl's uh, Country Market does deer and bear processing, we found out, and bear. So just wanted to get those two things in there. And you know, I'm not Tom. Talk about turning your clock backs anymore. No, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to Thank you, anything. Tom. <laughs> hey, uh,. I was I was mentioning that you know the crossbow earlier you know yeah. now the price on crossbows has come down and you can get a darn good crossbow for a reasonable reasonable price uh, you know it, it's funny I know some guys if money's no object there's guys that buy you know fifteen hundred dollar crossbows and in fact I was looking uh, online and there's a, a special bow site for for compound bows. And, and the site is $450 for the site alone. Oh, which, wow. Yeah, kind of crazy. But wow. I bought the uh, this uh, center point crossbow years ago at Dunham's. And like I said, 250 bucks, And it's uh, 370 feet per second. And it works great. And you know how I practice, Tom, 
is I've got a Crossman air rifle. It's got the same exact trigger pull. So what I did oh, okay. all last week is I set up the indoor range here, uh, and uh, I set up the and I shot room. in my living room, shooting yeah. into the kitchen. The other wall made sure I had a safe backstop, which is a giant yellow pages thick, and uh, and I shot about a hundred shots. So just when I pull the trigger on that crossbow, it's second nature. So doing that dry fire practice can help, my friends. Oh, I'm sure practice makes perfect. You're darn right it does. The more practice, the better. Yep. And, you know, another thing a guy can do, too, is um, this might sound crazy. Get some spring caps because you don't want to dry fire your deer rifle too much. I guess it's not good for the firing pin mechanism. But you can buy these little little dummy rounds. Make sure it's the dummy round that you put in there. And you can do a lot of dry firing. What I do is I get magazines with pictures of whitetail, put it across the room, turn the scope up, and you look up through the scope at these pictures and it looks like the real thing. And then you just do a dry fire and if it goes click and you're right on that deer's shoulder, do that a hundred times, you go out, see that deer, it'll be second nature. The deer will be shot before you know it. Well, we'll have more next week on that, I'm sure. And uh, But that's all I got for today, Danny. How about you? Practice makes perfect. That's all I got, my friend. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Skibber Buds, Cutting Edge Outdoors. God bless, stay free. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.